Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Tom M. was recorded on September 22, 2022. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tom, and I'm an adult child um, of childhood domestic violence and um, alcoholic parents and other dysfunctional behaviors. I want to thank everyone who's showed up tonight, and I hope that you get something out of what I'm uh, what I'm going to share, and I hope it benefits all of you. Um, and I want to thank everyone who serves in this meeting and who makes this this meeting happen. I've I've heard a lot of speakers, and I I, I get a lot of, out of being a part of this meeting. Um, I want to talk about three major crises in my life that um, prompted me to become part of ACA. Um, the first was growing up with domestic violence. Um, and I'm not going to talk a lot about that because um, I've shared a lot in the calm line, which I'll talk about later. Um, the second major crisis was set up by um, growing up with the violence, and that's um, religious abuse. Um, when I left for college, um, the very first morning, someone approached me from a, a certain church and invited me to that church, and I was just primed to be um, ready to be um, sucked into that the kind of religious abuse that was there. It was more of a cult than a church. And um, that lasted for several years. And um, I called them my second dysfunctional family. The third one um, is several years ago, I lost my brother to suicide. And that sent me down a, a road of grief that I, I could not have imagined before. And um, in a group this large, I know that there's a few people who, who understand suicide grief. And um, it brought me to the place where um, to, to review what I've been through growing up, what my brother went through. Um, and I'll, I'll talk more about that later in the talk. I want to spend most of the time talking about recovery and healing because it's, it's the, the healing that we're, we're here for. Um, the, the healing began in my late 20s when I was invited to an Al-Anon group. Um, and I, I went through that group. The first time I went through it, um, it was relatively shallow compared to now, but it was as deep as I could go through at the time. And it was very beneficial. And every time I've gone through another group or through the steps again, I go through at a deeper level. And it's like being on an upward spiral where it gets deeper and better every time. Um, the best group I've been in um, happened four years after that. That's an inner child workshop. And that was based on the teachings of John Bradshaw about the inner child. And that, that group is where I met some friends who really supported me and 
heard me and um, it really helped me to um, identify with my inner child and the pain that I was really in. And it's, it's just gone, my life has just gone forward from there. Um, one thing I want to say about um, small groups and therapy for, for me, and this is just for me, um, small groups have been more beneficial than therapy. Um, and I think for me, I, I just needed people to understand where I was coming from, who, who got it. Um, in therapy, I remember when I first went through therapy, the, the therapist was, the first four sessions were, were very good for me. It helped me get a lot off my chest, but it didn't seem to go anywhere after that. And I, I don't want to beat up on therapy if it's working for any of you, you know, keep, keep going, doing what's working. Um, I'm just talking about what, what's been beneficial for me and that's the small groups. I've been in a, a, a number of small groups um, since then, um, too many to count um, to, to talk about right now. Um, it was nine years ago that I lost my brother to suicide. And, the, and that's when um, I knew I had to go deeper into the trauma. Um, I knew that my, my brother's suicide was indirectly linked to my um, parents' violence, um, their abusiveness. And I, I knew what my brother lived through as a child. Um, because we both lived through it. Um, we experienced abuse differently, but um, I was a witness to the abuse he went to, through and he was a witness to what I went through. Um, I joined a group then that was a, um, a group for um, dealing with suicide grief. And I, I recently stepped away from that group after nine, nine years. One thing that happened with my brother's um, suicide was renewed anger at my dad for all his um, explosions and violence and um, how he destroyed our, our family, the, my birth family. Uh, my, my dad's been dead for um, 40 years, so I, I can't confront him directly, but I have confronted him through my writing. And a lot of times when I walk, um, early in the mornings or at other times, I'll, I'll let him know. I'll, I'll invite him to read my writing um, as, as if he were right there. Um, talking about writing, um, I began writing after processing a lot of the grief around my brother's suicide. Um, I put a, in, in the chat, I put a link to the comm line that I'm not sure all of you can access. And I'll, I'll do that again at the end of the meeting. Um, but that's a link on how to access the ACA comm line. Um, and I'll, I'm going to list some things that writing has done for me. Um, I did not learn to verbalize very well growing up in a violent home where I learned to basically be a doormat. Um, to go along with everyone. Um, expressing myself was way too dangerous um, in that environment. And writing now helps me 
to learn what I didn't learn about expressing myself and what's deep inside and to examine everything inside very closely. Um, writing helps me to dive deeper into the trauma that I experienced, which helps me to heal. Um, a lot of people will, will tell me that, um, why don't you just leave the past in the past and get on with life? And my answer to that is that the past is linked to the present and I need to heal what's in the past in order to get on with my life. I, I can't just separate the two. Um, and I know some, some people seem to go along fine just ignoring the past. And if it works for them, that, that's good for them. It, it doesn't work for me. Um, writing helps me to articulate what I can't articulate in ordinary conversation. Um, with writing, I can rewrite and rewrite repeatedly until I get it down the way I really want to say it. And I have three slogans for writing that I want to share with you. One is to write my trauma. Number two is to write my healing. And number three is to write my heart, what's really in my heart. I now want to go to um, promises, the, the promises that are in the Big Red Book. That's on page 443. And just some of the promises um, that especially apply to me. Um, the first promise is we will discover our real identities by loving and accepting ourselves. I keep discovering myself more and more as I I stop people pleasing as I stop um, thinking of others before I think of myself. Um, I ask myself, who am I really? What do I really want to do with my life? Instead of letting others, um, such as religious people, tell me what to do with my life. Um, the third promise is the fear of authority figures and the need to people please will leave us. What I have found is that hasn't left me, but it is greatly diminished, the, the fear of authority figures. Um, with my current um, supervisor at work, I have expect him to um, explode when I bring bad news to him, but he doesn't anymore. I've had supervisors in the past explode on me and um, I learned to expect that from my dad. Um, and I'm, I'm learning that this is a trustworthy guy. Um, if I bring a problem to him, he's okay with solving it without exploding. So that, that's a shift for me, um, being in a work situation where um, I don't have to be, be concerned about that. The seventh promise, we will learn how to play and have fun in our lives. Um, I hope that comes sometime. It hasn't come that yet for me. So um, I'm waiting for that one still. I will continue with the program. Uh, number eight, we will choose to love people who can love and be responsible for themselves. Early on, um, I felt responsible for everyone. And I tried to help people. Um, I remember help trying to help an alcoholic quit drinking. 
And I put a lot of energy and effort into that. And no matter what I said to him, no matter how strong my, my force of argument, he kept drinking. I couldn't persuade him as, as hard as I tried. And I, I learned through him and through others that it, it's a, a waste of energy to try to help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. And that, that's a very hard lesson to learn. Um, now I like being around people who are fairly healthy and who want, want to move forward with their lives. Number nine is about boundaries. Um, healthy boundaries and limits will become easier for us to set. Um, they're not easy, but it is easier. Um, I have what I call a boundary muscle and it's similar to doing push-ups. If I do push-ups, then my upper body strengthens. If I set boundaries, then my boundary muscle um, strengthens and I'm able to set boundaries easier than last time. And I'm able to set more difficult boundaries than I was in the past. Um, one thing that's a really big deal is boundaries in the workplace. And the workplace is what I call my third dysfunctional family. Um, I'm retired from my um, 30 year job and I'm working part-time now. Um, but the workplace is where, where I was tested every day and the consequences were real. And um, I got tired of being the doormat there. And I came up with a quandary. Um, there were two people early on who I really needed to set boundaries with. And it felt overwhelming. One was my immediate supervisor, who was an exploder, just like my dad was. And the other was an engineer who was roughly my age. Um, and I made a decision to set the boundary, boundaries where I could at the time with the engineer um, who would talk down to me. And um, it really annoyed me. And starting to set boundaries, um, I had an awful lot of energy in setting them, and I was aggressive at times. And looking back on it, I don't see any other way it could have gone um, if I was going to set the boundaries. And I'm glad I did. And um, there was you know, some disruption because of it. And um, I look back on it, and I'm glad I did it. Um, I couldn't have survived that, that workplace um, without setting those boundaries. And I ended up making an enemy out of that person, although he didn't like me in the first place anyway. Um, and I don't feel bad for the times when I went um, too aggressive because he was aggressive toward me anyhow. Um, I feel like I was forced to in that, into that situation. Um, There's a poem I want to share that I wrote about suicide grief, and this poem probably will not make it to the comm line. Um, but I'll, what I'll say about suicide grief is that it's a personal issue for me because of losing my brother, and it will be personal for the rest of my life. Um, so let, let me bring up that poem.
Uh, let me try again. This is a relatively short poem and I call it Blindsided by Suicide. Hello, suicide. You have stolen my brother from me. You have ripped a hole in my heart, a forever hole. You have freed my brother from his pain and transferred the pain to me. The pain is so intense because of my love for him. You are a black hole in the structure of reality. I have entered a new universe of agonizing grief. They call you a new normal, but you are not normal, yet way too normal for too many who can never return to normal. I do not have the lung capacity to scream the scream that must be screamed to express the void. You are a giant jigsaw puzzle which demands solution. But most of the pieces are missing. My rational mind cannot process this. Hello, brother. I love you. How I wish I could share my writing with you, but your final decision is what prompted my writing. I want to scream, how could you? But your pain was so severe that freedom from pain was more precious than life. I want to understand your frame of mind, but that would be far too dangerous. Yes, we were both casualties of childhood domestic violence. We didn't receive the love or security we needed. How I wish you could have found healing. Decades ago, we lost our reckless brother to his reckless choices. Now I am left alone without a living sibling. Brother, I love you. I miss you. I release you. I hold you in my heart. The next thing I want to talk about is power and powerlessness. Um, step one is about powerlessness. And I concluded a long time ago that I will never graduate from step one, uh, no matter how long I'm in 12-step groups. I heard someone say a while ago that the 12 steps are not 12 steps long, they're 12 steps deep. And I've, I found that to be very true for myself. Um, the serenity prayer begins with accepting the things we cannot change. The, sec um, the second part is about changing the things we can or changing the one that, that I can. And I'd like to talk a little bit about power. And I found power in one word and that word is choice. I have choices. And I believe in the power of choice. Uh, choice transforms me from victim to warrior. I no longer have to be a victim when I have choices. Um, and I wanna share some of the choices that have made a huge difference in my life. And the first is when I was 10 years old, I heard my dad blame his excessive drinking on genetic predisposition. And I heard those words and I looked at my dad's life and I said to my, myself that there's no way I'm going that way, the way he's gone. And I can't do anything about my genetics. So I choose not to get involved in alcohol. And that, that was a lifetime choice. And it's, it's um, a choice that I've, I've kept 
throughout the years, um, with one exception when I was 16 years old. Um, and without that choice, there's a good chance I wouldn't be alive today. Um, I've outlived my dad by 18 years already, and I'm, I'm still healthy and um, feel like I'm going strong. Um, in my later teens, I made another decision regarding my dad's behavior. I chose to stop repeating his explosive profanity. Um, I did not want to do that to myself. I thought about what he was saying, what I was saying when I was repeating him, and I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. In my late 20s, I was invited to an Al-Anon group, and I chose to walk through those scary doors. It was very difficult to go through those doors the first time, and I, I know that um, probably all of you can, can identify with that. Um, those doors were, they might as well have been a hundred tons heavy, um, but I made my way through and um, my life is different because of that. And I chose to stay at that meeting, even though some of the women were very angry at men, um, I chose to stay and what I learned um, was very beneficial to me. In my early thirties, I chose to walk away from a toxic fellowship in, in the church that I was in. Um, and again, I'm, I'm no longer part of that, that fellowship and um, I'm not going back to that or, or any, anything similar. Um, I later chose to attend an inner child workshop and um, I have friends from that group. Um, that group was about 30 years ago and um, I still benefit from those friendships. I have often chosen to swallow my pride and apologize when I'm wrong. Um, I make choices every day, and those choices have the power to lead me upward or downward. Um, I've made some bad choices, such as when I chose to put a toxic coworker in his place, and um, he was an expert at retaliation. And I paid um, the price for such choices. And I've received the education in the process. And I've, I've chosen to learn from those, um, what I call it, educational opportunities. I want to share one big thing I did right. I put my recovery first. Um, in my 20s and 30s, I did not pursue romance. I pursued friendships. And more and more, I chose friendships with people who were healthy. Um, one of those friendships turned into a romance. And um, I was in my 40s when I got married and started a family. Next week, we celebrate our 22nd anniversary. And that tells me that recovery is possible. And recovery, I'm not going to say I'm recovered. I've, I've come a long way. And I have a long way to go still. Um, one, one thing I will say about um, my journey is at first it felt like I was stuck in a bottomless pit. And I made the decision to climb out one step at a time. Now it feels like I'm climbing a summitless mountain. Um, I'm going to close with um, 
three personal slogans for myself. If you look on page um, 52 of the Big Red Book, there's a list of slogans on that page. I'm going to share three slogans that mean a lot to me, and those these are not on that page. Um, my primary slogan is one step forward today. My second slogan, recovery is a choice. My third slogan, my choices will choose me. And um, that's what I have to share for tonight. I have a, a, a speaker's topic. Um, and the, the topic is I'd like you to share slogans or insights which have worked for you in recovery. So um, I want to thank everyone for um, coming to this meeting and for listening. And um, I look forward to, to what you have to share. Thank you very much.